Welcome Hello. to another episode Hi. of Laying Down the Lore of the Old World, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, I'm distracting our snotlings you. from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, <laughs> and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Barber, and I know fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crallen Allen. I'm sitting in my pyjamas. Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. Mm, very true. And my dear brother, Darren. I'm also in Chris's pyjamas. Who knows so much about Warhammer, uh-huh. it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address, to address that, that ignorance. Ignorance, ignorance yes. Yeah, yeah. Well ignorance. done, Growl. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I held back. Uh, I didn't do a full-on dar. No. Very I mean, few people can. Even at my best, 10% of the time I can manage a full-on dar. <laughs> in order to maintain Darren's reputation, I have to edit out all of the shit that he tries to say to distract. Well, he says to try and distract me during the edit, so during the intro. So no one will actually know how much of an asshole he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Darren admitting he can he's rarely himself, even when he tries really hard, reminds me of that bit. I think is it Danger Mouse? And, you know, his sidekick, yeah. Penfold. Best character ever. The greatest achievement of Penfold was coming third in the Penfold lookalike competition. <laughs> <laughs> if I may say, second place was taken by Kral. <laughs> <laughs> but Darren, guess who first place was taken by? <laughs> was it also you, mate? <laughs> first and second place in the Penfold lookalike. That is your best joke to date, Dar. I have to admit. So far. <laughs> so far. Uh, right, Crowley, you know what time it is, bud. Hello, Reitland. It's time for Serrat's Recap. Last episode, episode 30. Err, my scurvy dog landlubbers was all about the zombie coast and the undead pirates. I don't know what voice they this is. Pirates don't have Welsh accents. <laughs> oh, they do today, Darren. They do today. I'm a vampire, see, boyo. <laughs> we learned about the zombie the coast we did, boyo. <laughs> and I'm done. Right. <laughs> think the rest of it in a Welsh accent, please. No, I'm not. Tony Blackburn doing an impression of Herb with a Welsh accent. <laughs> yes. Right. You're going to get the summaries of summaries. Luther Harkon, hijacked, landed on Lustria, fucking... <laughs> went to get some relics of power, got his mind smashioed by the vault's defences, built up an army of undead pirates, army RTs, hooked up with Marathi. Marathi backstabbed him while they were looking for the Black Pearls, wink. He got locked up in a vault, and that's your lot. That's all you're getting from me. I'm done. I'm leaving. Bye. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> and he's walked out of the room. <laughs> uh, that was the stroppiest WhatsApp recap I've ever heard. <laughs> that, that, that is literally a lot. How was that? Yeah, it was Best good. summary, worst attitude. Yes. Yeah, cool. Ten for summary, one for attitude. Nine yeah. for summary. I don't want to give you a perfect score. No, you wouldn't, would you? All right, well, well, that was that. It was a ruddy, bloody fun episode. It was a really good one, It was actually. a swashbuckler. Uh, it was a romp. It was a swashbuckling romp of an episode, wasn't it? It was really good. Um, it doesn't seem to be a huge amount of lore. About, it's quite new in terms of lore development, isn't it? Yes, relatively so. Darren, was it a, really a bit of fun? I mean, yes, Luther Archon's very much a big bad, 
the characters and units are all you know quite meaningful but was you know that i guess kind of spin-offy type thing with the zombie pirate vibe was it a bit of fun in 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 kind of an ode to pirates yeah, of the caribbean yeah of course it was i mean it's completely divorced from the medieval horror of the old world mm. in the yeah. setting so it is as much if we continue with the uh, pirates of the caribbean analogy it was in terms of movies Pirates of the Caribbean versus Schindler's List. So those two very widely different <laughs> oh <my God>. movies. <laughs> that is perhaps a bit uh, a scandalous thing to say. But in terms of the the kind of background sure. emotion in the old world, the old world is just a horrific place. Mm. I was about to say yeah. the zombie pirates of the vampire course is also horrific, but it's sunny. The weather's nice. That's it. And everyone's yeah. yo-ho-ho with a bottle of rum in it. And you've got Choco Blocks. Oh, God almighty. (laughs) Do you know how much just that I I am not looking forward to doing some of the Lizard Man episodes with the fucking names? They're going to take us forever, aren't they? Me and Ben are going to lose our shit. (laughs) Did the undead go from zombie to skeleton faster in a kind of humid tropical environment? Does the rock set in faster? This gets into the the whole kind of physiology of zombification that myself and my son have a chat about. And at one stage... <laughs> Is this a regular <laughs> conversation? It, we, honest to God, it happens about once, once every three months. <laughs> and the last time, Vic joined in, and I, it became a little bit heated, I have to say, uh, because uh, we were talking about, do zombies need to poo? Yeah, right. Okay, because of the flesh they're eating, you mean? Because of all the flesh they're eating, but not. why? Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I would say they didn't. But uh, everyone kept going off about. Of course, zombies do. Which all of these movies would be so much. All these movies and TV shows would be so much <laughs> more wildly different if you had to kind of tiptoe your way through zombie shit. Yeah, that yeah. would just. And if they were kind of shambling and shitting at the same time, yeah, like just a uh, kind of a single motion. <laughs> <laughs> a single movement. Yeah. Well, in a lot of like zombie video games, you get like, you know, special zombie characters like a screamer or, you know, a jumper. Uh, you get or a bloater. A that, bloater yeah. is always really common, isn't it? And you'd expect, given that they probably don't shit, I mean, I think I'm definitely with you on that one. Um, you'd expect to see more bloaters, wouldn't you? Like if yeah. they were just constantly in it. Just, unless they, you know, they rotted around the kind of intestinal area and it was just falling out as they were eating it. But. Who knows? But then, but then you get into that uh, classic trope of a skeleton takes a drink and it all just kind of runs down. So it's like, <laughs> what? Why are they drinking? Why is a zombie eating? Is it because they have no option but to eat because their lizard brain has been activated? Okay, those kinds of questions. Sure. It gets quite heated. Yeah. Interesting uh, to follow on from that. Then, given that zombies in Warhammer are the of the end result of necromancy, they're not just the end result of like you know, a virus or something like that from other uh, zombie IPs. Do the zombies in Warhammer eat flesh, given that they are, in essence, an automaton under the control of a necromancer? Because why would the necromancer instruct them to do that? I think it's to do with how easy it is to raise a zombie. Because all you're doing is you're forcing the kind of lizard basic brain aspect of uh, an individual to come back online and then reanimating their tissue with 
magic. How That's to raise the a same, zombie. The, the end result, yeah. This, this, there should be a end result for that. Is exactly, it's exactly the for same. new zombie parents. With, Sorry, Darren. Oh, yeah. Well, to be fair. All over your dialogue. <laughs> uh, I can't work like this. Please eject him from the... I'll uh, be in my trailer. the end result is exactly the same in all of these shows and ips with viruses it's you know the limbic system that comes back online the lizardy Mm. brain bit plus reanimated uh muscle tissue that's it oh i see okay okay yeah so so zombies in the warhammer setting do eat flesh yeah as normal zombies would do and they are and they are for the most part the slow shambling zombie. Yes. There are some abilities and spells that can speed them up into 28 days later zombies. Uh, but in general, Ish. it's the brains. Stagger, stagger, yeah. stagger, stagger. Yeah. I always wonder with the 28 days later, does it start like that and then yeah. become the shambling? Because obviously they would disintegrate, wouldn't they? So slowly their ability to run would. The zombies in 28 days later, though, aren't. Are they dead? I can't remember if they come. Yeah, I think they are dead, aren't they? I thought I thought it was just like a rage virus that kind of made live people. I seem to remember it being like a rage virus. It wasn't. They weren't undead, as it were. Right. And also, slow shambling zombies don't make much of a an assault force. Do you know what I mean? Like a fucking <laughs> yeah storm squad or anything? Oh no, just they're like, coming! Attack. Everybody, walk away! <laughs> <laughs> but that does lead us nicely into. Content. We <laughs> rumble. <laughs> the last content for the undead, please. Oh, thank, I mean, uh, you're going to be surprised to hear me say this, but thank Christ, it's been uh, a million episodes. I can't recall exactly. Well, nine. <laughs> Is has it been so long because there's been so much lore because you've wanted to expand it more, say, than the Skaven and well other episodes we've done because you're you're into it. I think that certainly. It's certainly a thing to maybe accept, but also we didn't just do vampire accounts. We had to start yeah. with Nagash and Nehekara and then moved into Morcane up into the Badlands. So there was two or three episodes before we even got into the relatively modern timeline of the vampire accounts. I think also married into that is that the undead are not only everywhere, but most of the major events that have not included chaos, the the kind of chaos forces, have been the undead. They've been the primary enemy for the kind of existential existence of the Empire and Mm. other realms within the old world. So they have, you know, the Vampire Wars was, you know, 150, 160 years where the Empire was simply fighting the undead all the time, and every now and then there was an orc invasion. Mr. Chris? Would there have ever been a situation, was there a situation where someone wanted to join the undead faction? They were like, undead me, either make me to a zombie or I'll just join your faction willingly. They're like, that's the winning team, that's the one I want to be on. Not that I am aware of, not voluntarily. Well, not willingly. I know of at least one instance during the end times where a very high-ranked mage transfers over to the side of the vampire counts. But but he did so in kind of a mix of desperation and acceptance of fate. So only once, and we'll talk about Balthazar Gelt when we do the Empire. 
Like Balthy B. Ba- Balthy G, yeah. Bizzle Jizzle. Bizzle Jizzle. Yeah, so the Undead is is one of the big bads of the Warhammer Fantasy IP and has touched the lives in quotes of almost all factions. And me and Kral. And you and Kral. Yes. And me. Mm, I've been touched. You've been touched. <laughs> Show me on the small skeleton where Nagash touched you. <laughs> <laughs> so someone said content. Yeah, someone said content. Yeah, <laughs> someone. I think I heard someone say content. <laughs> um, because we've kind of dived into the faction in quite a significant amount of detail. There's actually <laughs> this will not be a five-minute episode. <laughs> go- well, funnily <laughs> enough, we've now discussed what skeletons are and zombies and necromancers mm. and, and, mm. and. So we're going to kind of dart around a bit. But I think the a good place to start is the lore of the vampire counts, like the, the spells and the abilities that go with associated bloodlines, that kind of thing. So... Broadly speaking, there are three groups of spells within the kind of necromantic lore. Now, we are speaking about vampire counts. Big war, little war, and not war at all. Big dead war, <laughs> little dead war. <laughs> and war. And war. So there are spells to raise and maintain the dead forces. So zombies, skeletons, dire wolves, and uh, sometimes, if you're dead lucky, badgers. Badgers. Uh, actual better troops than badgers, horses. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just nice. say badgers at the same time I said badgers, Chris? Are you, are you, are you feeling Jinx. <laughs> oh, thank you. Got I, I, for the rest of the show I can't now. speak now. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> So the two most kind of famous versions of these types of spells, one is called Raise the Dead. Guess what it does? <laughs> Original. <laughs> it cures hangovers. It, uh, <laughs> it allows you to raise a number of dead troops. So skeletons, zombies, direwolves, in general, that's what you can do. Then to maintain the dead, there is a spell which was really introduced in the 8th edition, so the final edition of Fantasy which was the invocation of Nehek, which allowed you to every turn return or either heal a wound to a damaged unit or return a number of troops to that unit. So it's bringing dead troops to the tabletop or if we keep it lower focused, raising the dead troops for your army and then making sure that you can keep them going. So if you'll recall when we discussed Conrad, there all the troops were getting uh, annihilated at the kind of gun line and his necromancers were working to re-knit the, the bones and the tissue of the troops and send them back into battle. So They were art attacking them, weren't they? That, art attacking, exactly right. Yeah. A little necromancer sewing circle, knitting these skeletons yeah. back together. A little stitch, <laughs> and undead bitch. stitch, bitch. <laughs> Growl jinx. <laughs> a topical observation. It. Really, it would be there would be like a, a necromantic Rolf Harris creating <laughs> skeletons and saying, "Can you tell what it is yet? Um, <laughs> Can you tell if it's in yet?" <laughs> and we'll move on. Jesus. The next group is really empower the undead and. This is where you can turn regular shambling zombies into the 28 Days Later speedy zombies. Oh, nice. 
not just zombies, but also skeletons and other undead troops. The and the most famous one, it, it's the spell that has lasted relatively unchanged, is Van Van Hall's Dance Macabre. So that is effectively a spell to invigorate the undead and to <laughs> sounds like a dance school. Van Hall's <laughs> Dance Macabre, <laughs> <laughs> and all these skeletons just start voguing. <laughs> <laughs> and cartwheeling like and an un- tumbling an undead flash dance <laughs> yeah like a Madonna concert yeah uh, so <laughs> while I did say that it is it has the spell has remained relatively unchanged it has been diluted over the editions in fourth edition it was very very powerful which it meant that you could have a unit attacking several times in a round instead of just once or moving three times its speed you know wow, to wow. give this sudden blast of undead energy uh, and get your troops uh, into combat really as quickly as possible because in general aside from spells the undead don't really have any artillery or missile troops for uh, range combat mr ben you know how you said that uh, in a couple of the battles during the vampire war when the main leader whether it was vlad or, or manfred man fled or were yeah. killed the whole army kind of dropped dead bar mm-hmm. a kind of circumference around uh, the yes. remaining necromancers is there any rules on the tabletop that mimic that like my understanding of the tabletop is that it's round based and if you know, before the end of the game, the opposing team kill the necromancers or the kind of main necromantic magic users in an undead army. Does that render the rest of the army void? Uh, yes, it's one of the few examples where uh, a large kind of high concept notion of an army, a central idea of the army, is re- reflects the lore. In earlier editions... If your general die, in fact, in most editions, if your your general dies, your army begins to become untethered, and the summonings fail. So it means that every round you roll a d6, and that many troops from a given unit drop dead. Wow! Right. That okay. used to be for every single unit in your army, regardless. What happened as the editions were refined, or, or the edition, new editions came out, it was that um, you know you still roll the d6, but if you're within 12 inches of a necromancer, you have the score, uh, or gotcha. uh, on, right. at higher levels, you don't need to roll for that kind of thing. So yes, targeting magic users in an undead army, while I would suggest is bad sportsmanship uh, is a very effective way to weaken <laughs> y- your uh, army or weaken your opponent's army yeah that's cool that's really cool okay. so the the augmentation spells really the enhancement spells for the undead forces so it's things like van hell's dance macabre as i've mentioned hellish vigor um this uh, is i've a bought spell. that snake oil before Hellish figure, yeah. Uh, this allows uh, units to add one to uh, combat rolls when they're trying to hit something with swords. That actually used to be part of Van Van Hell's or uh, Dance Macabre. As I said, at the in fourth edition, it was an extremely powerful spell. Uh, in eighth edition, 
it's more of a kind of flavorsome spell. It does it does give you a benefit, but it's not as powerful as it once was on mm. the tabletop. Um, the final groups of spells then are to uh, you go from raise the dead to empower the dead to make your enemies dead. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds quite promising. <laughs> so these are spells like the Curse of Years, where you can put a, a hex on your uh, an enemy unit. Uh, and then you have to roll a dice for every single model, for instance. And if you get above a certain score, that model dies of old age. And and does that model then become undead? Do you uh, raise it, or is it? No. Really, the only way to raise the dead in the games has been with, the, with a, a spell effect mm. or a magical item in general. It's really more the forces of chaos that have that kind of ability uh, that can mutate and change. I'm thinking something like uh, Nurgle's Rot, a spell for Nurgle, which can not only take an enemy soldier uh, out of action, but actually can turn them into a demon. They become possessed, effectively. Um, But uh, as I say, this is an episode about the dead, so fuck Nurgle in the ear. Um, they also have one which follows our naming trope. We have the gaze of Nagash, where you give someone the evil eye. And, uh, and, um, <laughs> it, it, yes, huge bolts of dark energy blast out of your eyes and wither people's skin with its evilness. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> really scary, Nagash. <laughs> Watch out for my gaze. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> okay. If you could just look at this pan of chicken here, please. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the evil chicken Alfredo of Nagash. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't touch that, mate. That's the Empire Biscuit of Nagash. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the three kind of broad groupings of spells. These have existed in some form throughout the the editions of Warhammer since the advent of the army books. In fact, the Vampire Counts is one of only four factions that have had a an army book for every edition from fourth to eighth, the others being High Elves, Lizardmen, and Chaos. At some stage, every other faction has gone without a, an army book for an edition. Wow, but the man. undead are just so boss that yeah they get one each edition. Okay, yeah, which is surprising considering the, the huge focus GW has on the Empire <laughs> as well as the human troops. Anyway, is that because I mean, is it uh, obviously it might be d- different for the other uh, races that you mentioned there? But given that undead is a collection of different races, is it just because there's so much with it? Like it's such a broad category that there's so much development in there that it has to have a new army book every um edition i think it's because they they are perhaps the highest selling armies the ones Ah. that are the most popular but also of those four two of them are like big bads you've got the chaos like with chaos you could there are you can make five or six different factional armies with vampire counts you can make again five or six different factional armies based on the bloodline of the vampire that's leading it cool segue 
The next section is vampire powers. <laughs> uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> Seamless. Seamless. So when you said that those were like three broad, sorry, just to go back a moment, like you said that those are like yeah. three broad categorizations of spells. The first one was like yeah. raise the dead. What are there multiple different versions of raise the dead? Because it kind of seems like a pretty standard singular function. It's a it's a single spell, but there are, there are like uh, even in the tabletop game there are you can cast the spell at different levels, which have different difficulty numbers that you have to roll against. Um, right. To if you know you can you can raise what up to eight a unit of eighteen zombies or skeletons in one go, and suddenly you know your opponent is now facing more points in terms of the size of the army than were put on the table but really fucking slow and shambling yeah yes until then you empower them or uh augment them with the like van hell's um dance macabre <laughs> they just vogue their way to the enemy. But yeah, no, I don't. I was about to say I don't want to alarm anyone, but there are what appear to be a lot of zombies moonwalking towards our front lines. They've <laughs> <laughs> got some moves. <laughs> it's thriller. Thriller, <laughs> So yes, vampire powers. We mentioned when we were initially talking about the uh, the bloodlines. Five broad bloodlines exist or are acknowledged within the Vampire Count's army books. They are the Von Karsteins, the Blood Dragons, the Necrarchs, the Strigoi, and the Lamians. The Lamians. The Lamians. Um, Good work, Chris. So those distinctions did not exist in the first Undead army book. It was just simply vampire counts. It was, the vampire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was when they started to go, when they broke between the dry and the wet dead, when it broke between uh, the tomb kings and the vampire counts, the vampire counts being the wet dead. That's when you got into uh, abilities specific for that bloodline. So the von Karsteins uh, would be the kind of stereotypical Dracula uh, figure. They'd have capacity to control the weather to control swarms of beasts but also to kind of they'd have like lordship uh, they'd have that kind of uh, nobility uh, the aggressive neck biting nobility which i'd love to say doesn't exist anymore just read the fucking news now um, <laughs> how does that how does that translate on the tabletop like let the roll roll six to be more noble uh, what what does that do? Oh no! It gives it gives them like Noble. command bonuses, uh, so they ah, they're able to okay. command their troops better because right. they are they you know they're nobles who have been trained. They're more to do noble. That. So it's, yeah. Okay. I've been outnobled <laughs> by the gaze of Nagash. Yeah. <laughs> but then you get into like the Necrarch bloodline. They have they're like evil Gandalfs. They're undead evil Gandalfs. So they have you know magical enhancements. And we'll just move on. I'm just going to leave that statement exactly where it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me and my magical enhancement by Christopher Crowell and Allen. <laughs> It's not mine, baby. It's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> They're better at casting spells. They know more spells. They can um, cast other th- versions of spells and are all-round necromantic gods. 
the blood dragons then are the kind of martial idea of um, the vampire warrior. So uh, they, they have this kind of idea, twisted idea of knightly honor. That's knightly with a K. <laughs> so yeah, so a very kind of Teutonic Templar kind of idea of what it is to be a master warrior. The Lamians then are very swift. So they have this, you know, the vampiric stereotype of being incredibly quick. Uh, they always strike first in combat. They also have uh, mind manipulation powers, which we'll, we'll talk about when we talk about the units. And the Strigoi are this kind of bestial, pure fury given form kind of idea of what it is to be a vampire. So in, in five broad categories, they kind of capture all the stereotypes that come with uh, vampires. Now, interestingly, in the World of Darkness, there are 13 vampiric clans. That's a completely separate IP, but it's just they, they have 13 stereotypes to play with and many more. But that's a different game and probably won't make it into the episode. So that was completely pointless. <laughs> okay. Um, pointless. They... Move on. <laughs> I enjoyed that, though. It was a nice interlude. Uh, so... Um, I'm assuming that the Strigoi are purely melee combat. Combat. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, they, yeah. they don't have anything uh, ranged, do they? No, not at all. I mean, and not, not and each... any bit. Uh, no, not... they are, but uh, they're not standing there with shotguns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. They should do. Uh, yeah, should do. Yeah. <laughs> if you recall from the the Morkane episodes, most of them are just waist height. They're just, you know, standing in a trench all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that, Darren. Don't that was worry. a good callback, yeah. Crowd can't even remember waking up this morning, so don't worry about it. I don't even know how I got here. <laughs> My earliest memory is Van Hall's Dance Macabre. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those powers were explicitly tied to vampiric bloodlines in the 5th and 6th edition. Now, from 7th and 8th, they kind of steered away from that kind of strict uh, grouping. Uh, in 7th, you had broadly grouped abilities under kind of logical headings. Like, you had Master, which dealt with the control of troops, but also the summoning of beasts. So, broadly speaking, Von Karstein, but it had aspects of other bloodlines in it as well. Again, you had the Marshal, which, again, tied to uh, Blood Dragon, but included elements from Strigoi, this kind of idea, and the Acolyte, which was uh, Necrarch. But it meant that you could have merged bloodlines, if you will. Effectively, it allowed you to create your own. That's cool. So it meant you could have incredibly uh, magically accomplished Von Karstein vampire, but also one who was very bestial as well. And so it merged the five lines together. Kral, if you could have your own vampire bloodline, what would your ability be? What would your special? Uh, I could just concoct it. Anything. Yeah. Uh, oh God, let's put me on the spot. Um, Summon Tampax. Yeah. But it <laughs> had to be under afterwards. those umbrella. It had to be like Summon Vigor or Danceify or something. Yeah. It had to be or, one of yeah. those. Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Smurfs of Death. Smurfs of death. <laughs> it would have to be. It would have to be. It's the spell of Crowl's memory. 
he casts the spell on the opponent and they just forget what the fuck they're doing in that battlefield and they just walk yeah, away. Yeah, it exactly. would be called the WhatsApp recap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He casts it every record. What are we doing? What are we doing in our lives? We the, gaze the, the, the gaze of Kral. The gaze of Kral. Just Kral. Uh, indecisive Kral cast. Shall I attack? Maybe Kral. I won't attack. I will attack? No, I won't. I might attack, but I'll let you know in a bit. Uh. <laughs> Turns out I can't attack. I'm going to go over there instead. See ya. <laughs> So then we're, we're moving on. So then within the final edition, they even got rid of those kind of logical groupings and you could pick from a much reduced list of uh, powers to augment your vampire. And it sort of makes sense because mechanically in the game, within the previous editions, in general, you could have each like Lord character, each general could have a hundred points worth of magic items in addition to whatever abilities they already had, uh, depending on the race. With the vampire counts, you could get not only a hundred points of magic items, but you could get a hundred points of vampire abilities as well, which made them stupidly powerful on the tabletop. It also meant that if you killed them, it's a point sink, basically. If you kill a Lord character, say, for instance, from the Empire, it's about... Depending on how you kit them out, it's about 200 points worth of, of your army. Vampire accounts, you could have up to 400 points killed by a cannonball. And if they didn't have the magic ring of Vlad, which was an item you could actually have, <laughs> cool. that's 400 points gone. Permadeath. Yeah, permadeath. Yeah, so that, I mean... Certainly within the Vampire Count armies, it's a balancing act of incredibly powerful and magical characters versus very basic troops that you could summon again and again and again. Is there any like day or nighttime setting for a battle on the tabletop? Like, if you come along with your undead army of, or vampire count army, can you like roll you have to roll a dice at the start? And if the opposing team wins the opposing army wins they go right it's uh midday and therefore your vampire count army has to start the match having a nap um i think that in some of the sixth and seventh edition general handbooks which were the uh, or generals handbook it would give you rules to be able to do that but on on a regular game just using the core rule book and the vampire counts book the, yeah. you wouldn't there's nothing like that they would get around it by saying you know you could have battles fought during the day but it would be incredibly overcast uh, so the right, sun okay. wouldn't get through um, right, right, right. and that kind of thing. and I'd, I'd, I'd love to see the the the, the vampire counts army with a number of napping tents like miniatures for napping tents just placed <laughs> at the side like the napping thing is purely in the law right it's yeah it's just a law thing it's i mean a in in vampire yeah. lore in general they sleep during the day interestingly in the dracula novel dracula himself could move around in the day and he could stand in the sunshine but he just his, chose not to. His powers would be reduced, but he was still, you know, eminently powerful. Moving on to vampires. So, yes, as I say, in 8th edition, all kind of strict framework for bloodlines was effectively abandoned. This was justified within the lore by saying that as the further people get from uh, Nehekara in terms of generationally, when 
one of the original ten came out of Nehekara and made a vampire, that vampire, we'll call it second generation, was closely tied to the bloodline. If you're now that vampire makes another vampire, makes another vampire, and on and on, you've got 14, 15, 20 generations down the line, There's, it's very loosely tied to the concept of that strict bloodline, it if you know what gets I mean. A bit, it's a big, it gets a bit deliverance by that point, doesn't it? That's a lot of banjo that would be a great. That would be a great power on the tabletop. The banjo of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Instills fear. Now, we shall move on to the actual uh, troops available to a vampire count's force. Now, as I said... Skeletons and zombies, done. <laughs> done, Next. Yeah. Uh, Kral, what is the... Can we uh, ask our uh, resident collective noun expert for the collective nouns for uh, skeletons and zombies? Maybe one of each? I think... I thought we said it was a xylophone. Yeah, or a glockenspiel, or a wind chime. A wind chime of skeletons. Oh, a wind chime, that's right. (laughs) A wind chime of skeletons, yeah. Zombies could be a slurry of... Was that a COD conversation? Yeah, that was a COD. That was a COD COD conversation. Tier 2 Patreon listeners only. www.patreon.com forward slash laying down the law. Nicely done. Just plug time. (laughs) As a selling point for COD, one of us is always nude. uh, And I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> it changes every episode. It changes every episode. Ben's arms are nude every episode. We roll a dice, and if it's below <laughs> six, it's Crowl. <laughs> if it's in that one, we all get naked. <laughs> With some of the conversations we have, we roll a dice every fucking episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, yes, so we've covered a lot of the forces already. So we won't really get into skeletons and zombies too much. Not really going to hammer necromancers, other than, you know, if you ever meet one, hammer them with a hammer. Uh, And vampires, we sort of know what we're talking about here. So really what I'm going to do is cover the exceptions. So if we already accept that, the basic kind of concepts that exist on the tabletop, um, what else is there? So in terms of a vampire, we go from kind of bog standard vampire count to a vampire lord. That's the kind of hero and general positions on the uh, kind of army roster. But in the lore, there are two other aspects or two other versions of vampires that exist. The first is uh, the Vargeists, and these are bestial vampires who kind of they've uh, they've gone through a process of uh, degradation so they've lost their kind of higher function to some extent but also they are become poisoned by the warp stone that's within sylvania so these are beings that kind of are grossly swollen so they're about the size of an ogre in some cases quite larger but they have developed their, their arms have changed into wings, and so they flitter around the battlefield like blood-sucking hummingbirds, giant blood-sucking hummingbirds, um, <laughs> Jesus who really only wears a loincloth and just descends in flocks onto units of enemy soldiers. So they absolutely, they're frenzied and absolutely decimate uh, their uh, In a loincloth. In a so you don't want to be stood directly under them. Yeah, yeah. They use tit tape just to keep it in place. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you want to see is that thing moving as they're coming down. Yeah. Like, whoa! 
<laughs> yeah, like, gooch out of my face. Bring those wings over here. Oh, I know you've ripped my arm off, but it but it's touching me, mate. Can you put the mouse back in the house? Yeah. Decency. What um sorry, what were they called? Vargeists. So these are it's a an involuntary process. It's effectively like a bestial disease that they wow. go through. It's not particularly contagious, and you can't tell if a vampire is gonna catch it. Some people call it lucky. Some people call <laughs> Are you having a passion for dancing? Would you like to move gracefully like a banshee? Fly through the air like a vargulf? Then, my friend, you should come join here. Van Hell's School of the Dancing. We offer beginner and advanced lessons in tango, samba, jazz dance, bolero, salsa, hip-hop, and of course, the world-famous Van Hell's Dance Macabre. Guaranteed to bring the joy of dance to even the most unanimated. So, unleash your passion for movement and express yourself at Van Hell's School of the Dancing. Cha-cha-cha. But you then also have the other kind of type of vampires called a Vargulf. Vargulf. They willingly go through this process. So they effect, they retain a lot of their higher uh, mental functions, but they embrace the bestial nature of it. And so, how would you describe them? They are a mix between a troll, a giant bat, and a vampire. That's effectively what they are. Mm. They are absolute killing machines. And in general, they are solitary because they've they've gone through this process to embrace their uh, bestial nature and don't really want to have anything to do with the kind of day-to-day, you know, political they don't want to talk about it. of the vampire world, yeah. <laughs> Is that why they would voluntarily go for it? It's, it's like hitting the fuck it button. They're like, I, I don't want to be part of society anymore. All or nothing. I mean, without any other enhancement or items, magic items or anything like that, they are significantly more powerful than even a vampire lord. They could rip right. one in half. Uh, right. So they yeah. do it for the pure love strength. of yeah, pure strength, or indeed, they've gone, fuck it. I don't want to be a, a vampire count. I don't want to have to rule over the living and the dead. I don't want to tear shit to pieces. Vargeists, Vargoths, Goths? Vargulf. Vargulf. Gulf, as in G-U-L-F, Gulf, Vargulfs. G-H-U-L-F-S, yeah, Vargulfs. Vargulfs. So on the tabletop, Vargeists are, they come in multiple of threes in terms of unit size. Giggity. Giggity. (laughs) And Vargulfs are solitary single uh, beasts that can... uh, But would they uh, still fight in an army? Yes, because they're still vampires. If they're kind of they've gone for this kind of solitary thing because they don't want to have anything to do with all of that, why would they be in the army? Have they been kind of because well, the Vargeists become more bestial right. uh, and thus are able to be controlled by a vampire who has dominion over beasts, right? Okay, Vargulfs can still be reasoned with, and if they feel threatened, they will join, you know, if, right? If, okay, yeah, so a, a Vargulf can still be reasoned with, yeah, okay, right? So they'd be like. 
dude, I know that you like chilling on your own, but that dude over there said your mum was fat. Was like, <laughs> okay, wow. So those were the vampires. Uh, the four different kind of flavors you can get in terms of their appearance and abilities. For the vast majority of a vampire count's army, uh, or the vast majority of a vampire count's army, is made up of uh, skeletons, zombies, and ghouls. Ghouls being the living, undead, cannibalistic graveyards. I'm going to use the word scrumpers, because they scrump <laughs> bodies out of graveyards. There is a larger version of a crypt ghoul called a crypt horror. Now, these are ghouls that have been fed vampire blood, and they, again, swell up to the size of roughly an ogre. So it's a cannibal the size of an ogre, or in general, that's really what ogres are, but uh, are under the kind of necromantic control of necromancers. Well summarized. <laughs> yeah, these are these are used really as like uh, either heavy infantry or shock troops. So you can imagine a, a kind of tide of cannibals heading straight towards you, kind of all green and awkward and ghoulish. And then dotted in among them are these kind of larger, more significantly sized crypt horrors who are going to f your s up, Mister Chris. Wow. Cannibals uh, are species that eat their own species, humans eating humans. Uh, yes. I don't know, bloody crocodiles eating crocodiles, ogres eating ogres, that kind of thing. So if a bunch of cannibals came running towards you... <laughs> Just leave them, they'll deal with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but if a bunch of these ghoulish cannibals went towards a human army and they were human ghouls cannibals, they would eat those, would they be less effective against an orc army, for example, then? Or they still be pretty no, strong? And I, I think orcs in general, as we've discussed in the past, they're the healthy option. They're mushrooms. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> They'd be like a side salad for ghouls. Yeah. It's the, it's it's the, the, the vegan alternative yeah. for cannibals. The vegan yeah. alternative. <laughs> and, yeah, and really yeah. the only other kind of significant unit of foot troops is what's referred to as the grave guard these are what used to be referred to as whites in the old um, kind of the older yeah. army books these are the elite undead skeletal troops of the vampire counts or indeed of necromancers so these are the ones that can hold a position have some form of autonomy they have more awareness about them than um basic skeletons but also they act some of the more powerful ones can actually lead armies. So these are the white kings. These are the the, the ancient dead nobility of uh, various civilizations whose souls can be kind of hammered back in uh, and thus they can lead armies themselves. Um, right. Yeah. I always had in my head that the whites were kind of sort of ghost-like. No, those are wraiths. Ah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's again segue because the next section we're just going to talk about the kind of ethereal dead. These oh. are the ghosts, the ghostly ones, the ones that don't really have a, a physical presence. Right. So, in broad strokes, there's three main types of ethereal uh, infantry. Um, the first are 
ghosts, effectively, uh, what's called spirit hosts. So remember we've talked previously about on the tabletop, you can feel swarms of things, like swarms of spiders, mm. swarms mm. of snakes, that's, uh, and Skaven have rat swarms. With the undead forces, you can have spirit swarms. So it's it. what it looks like is three or four ghosts on a base, and they're immune. They used to be immune, I apologize. They used to be immune to all forms of non-magical weapon. So if you had one or more of them, you could really screw with someone's force. That has changed since that time to become they're immune to like positive and negative modifiers for weapons and attacks, this kind of thing. So it's just a basic sword will kill them in generally as quickly as a magical sword. There are some exceptions to that. So the other two ethereal kind of foot troops, if, with the word foot in quotes, are the wraiths and the banshees. Now, wraiths in general are male spirits. Banshees in general are female spirits. In both cases, they are magic users, not necessarily necromancers, uh, who have died a traumatic and horrifying death and thus their spirit is tied to their body seeking revenge um, in that case there must be a shitload of banshees and wraiths i mean everyone in warhammer dies a horrible traumatic death <laughs> it's very rare that anybody dies peacefully in their sleep in warhammer yeah. <laughs> And okay, do, do they automatically become a banshee slash wraith, or do they? Is there a process, a uh, ceremony for them to become this tortured spirit? I, I think it's if they have a traumatic death in an area where the wind of Dar is quite strong. Right, they're okay. auto wraith slash yes. banshee. It, yeah. So yes, yeah, so it's not an automatic thing, but if if you die a horrific death in a graveyard, there's a solid chance. That if you're a magic user, you're going to become a wraith or a banshee, depending on your gender. So banshees have the the kind of stereotypical screaming power. So oh, yeah. it's uh, things like you roll two six-sided dice, and if the number is above the leadership stat of that troop type, so imagine Skaven in general have a leadership of five, you roll an 11. The difference is the number of models you remove. So it's, wow. it can be quite a devastating power for lower leadership creatures. Cairn Wraiths, uh, to give them their full name, Wraiths, effectively, they just are combat monsters because they have a huge scythe. They look like the Grim Reaper. That, right. That's okay. what they that's their kind of ability. All of those units, the spirit hosts, the wraiths, and the banshees. Broadly immune to a lot of mundane attacks, uh, certainly in earlier editions, but that changed. Those really would, those three ethereal troops, you would use them as kind of support for uh, skeleton and zombie units. You, you would not, in general, group them all together. You would, you know, have them dotted throughout the throughout the army to give them support. Always Cairn wraiths. Maybe could you have a Barrow wraith? Yeah, the Cairnwraith was a, a a term brought in in the seventh or eighth edition, uh, where they were riding on the "Let's give everything a unique name so that we can protect our intellectual oh, property." I see. Okay. Right. For most of Warhammer, they're just wraiths. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. Those are the kind of additional infantry units that are available to uh, necromancers and vampires who want, you know, they're about town. They want to raise a bit of a raise a bit of a force, go and cause a bit of problem. Uh, they can summon in uh, some kind of hard hitting additional units and some uh, spooky, fear inducing units as well. In terms of cavalry. You're really looking at three types, uh, Black Knights, Blood Knights, and Hex Wraiths. So the Black Knights are skeletons on horses. Cool. They're used Skele to be Skeletons to on skeleton horses? Yes. Or just normal no, horses? No, skeletons on rocking horses. What the fuck do you think we're dealing with here? <laughs> I don't know, it might have been a normal horse, like just a, an alive horse. <laughs> An alive, very confused horse who keeps giving all the other horses side eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so black knights are effectively just skeletons on skeleton steeds. They used to be referred to as skeletal horsemen in the third and fourth edition uh, of it's too obvious. Warhammer. We can't call it. Yeah. 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 But, it, but it, it was a unit that had the capacity to become ethereal. So they could pass through terrain features uh, and, oh, cool. uh, and attack the troops that would be behind it. Uh, so they could, uh, you know, uh, very swiftly move through towns and trees and other things that stand above six foot high. Be a great <laughs> prank to uh, pull on your mounted skeleton colleague be like oh no no you're totally a theory we'll just run through that wall go on go on it's gonna do it. <laughs> yeah run through that wall as fast as you can splat <laughs> 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 oh my god he did it he actually did it blood knights then they, these are the vampire uh, or elite vampire cavalry so they're the very kind of basic entry level vampire position and the most famous of those being the blood dragons uh, who are like the, a kind of templar knightly order that's how our favorite. I, I like to think, right, Ben? Our favorite, the blood dragons. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aberration the Aberash and the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> Aberration <laughs> the Jets. World uh, Tour. Yeah. A, a relatively new addition to the kind of vampire count armies are the Hex Wraiths. And these are wraiths on horseback that I really don't know how much to. Oh, yes, they're on fire. So it's flaming rings <laughs> on horseback. <laughs> oh yeah, and one small point. <laughs> Flor me. I, I, I don't know how to jazz this one up anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wraiths, they, they don't walk anyway. They kind of float, glide around. Why do they need horseback? Or are they still limited by their speed and range not being on horseback? It really comes from their origins. Or the so, horses gliding along as well. Whee. No. Wraiths, uh, I, I, as you quite correctly say, hover just above the ground and they're tied, in general, they're tied to their skeleton, to their remains. So they don't tend to travel very far from uh, where they're buried or where their remains are. They're not necessarily buried, are they? It's Warhammer. Who the fuck has time to bury anyone? It's constant fear of death. <laughs> Hex wraiths really are spirits who've been pulled from the underworld. They're not necessarily uh, magic users, but their mission is to hunt down the beings that have evaded death. Now, this could be a, a Nagash-style 
kind of godlike powerful being, or it could be more or one of the various other uh, gods of death, but they are uh, manifested and uh, go after people who are either evil or sorry, in general, who are evil because they have cheated death. Right. Okay. Uh, and the models for them are quite quite spectacular because it really does just look like uh, a wraith on a horse all on fire. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. <laughs> so those really are the, the kind of two broad army types or, or uh, army positions. We've got the, the kind of massed infantry of which 90% is either skeletons or zombies in some kind of combination. We then move into the kind of more interesting, uh, I feel, um, units within a Vampire Count's army. One is war beasts, another is war machines. Again, they cover kind of broad broad types of units. Um, for war beasts, we're looking at dire wolves, which are undead wolves, zombie wolves, that's effectively what they are, and also fell bats, which are bats the size of a person with a wingspan usually of about 10 to 12 feet. So Large. the vampire bats, giant vampire bats. There there were just bats that were turned into vampires or a specific no, breed? No, they're, they're, of... they're, yeah, yes, like vampire bats like we have in right, the okay. real world. Yeah. Yeah, 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 But, you know, 30 to human 40 size. times bigger. Yeah, yeah. human-sized. If you can imagine, we'll start off with zombie dragons. Those are... You know, we've discussed them previously. Drank a dragon dry. It's always a good place to start. <laughs> always, always a good place to start. There used to be rules for different types of dragon. So, you know, a different, much like D&D, different color dragons have different types of breath and abilities, that kind of thing. We're now down to just one undead dragon type. Oh, that seems Aww. a little bit shit, doesn't it? Yeah. So these are either going to be Dragons that have been uh, killed and then reanimated, or they go to the dragon's graveyard, which is a place I'm only now just telling you about, which is <laughs> at the bottom of the Darklands, right oh, up wow. against the World's Edge Mountains. When dragons sense that their time is approaching, they go to that area and die, uh, and then their Holy skeletal shit. remains uh, are found there, littered. You can't swing a skaven for hitting a bit of a dragon rib. Uh, and a lot of necromancers attempt to bind a dragon spirit back to its remains and then fly out of there as, you know, a, a brand new owner of a, a zombie dragon. Zombie dragon, really they're undead dragons. They're not necessarily strictly mm. zombies anymore. Wow. But in general, these kinds of uh, jaunts into the area of the dragon graveyard is a one-way ticket. You either come back on a dragon or you don't come back at all. Um, Why? What What dangerous is there? It's just full of dead dragons. It's full of dead dragons, mate, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, that was a joke that landed on its arse. Yep. Uh, no, it's, it's the Darklands. You have to contend with tribes of goblins, tribes of orcs, uh, roaming okay. slave bands from, of chaos dwarves. Awesome. Ghoul kind of tribes are in that area. Uh, as well as ogre kingdoms, you get some tribes that come through there as well on their way to uh, either the Badlands or into the Empire to seek employment. Yes, it's not a great place to go. Uh, on top of, it's a fucking desert full of dragon remains. You could you could get tetanus. 
<laughs> you could get the you know the Warhammer equivalent of the atomic shits. <laughs> when the necromancer goes there, could you know how you said like in the middle of a battle, like a load of a necromancer zombies might get killed, and then yeah. it would knit together a new zombie from some of the remains. Yeah, could a necromancer do that in a kind of you know a land of dragon bones? Does it have to all be from the same dragon, or could he have like that one's head, this one's tail, that one's pelvic dragon bone. chop yeah. shop? No, it it has to be a single dragon. It has to be from a single entity. Dragons are so uh, uh, kind of imbued with magic that it sticks in their bones so you know even if right, they're able okay. to avoid all the uh, the enemies that they'd have to kind of get past to be able to get to the 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 graveyard the magical or the difficulty of the spell that they're casting could obliterate their psyche completely and right, okay. you know and you're doing this against a being you're trying to bind a magical being who's way more powerful than you to its dead remains uh, they're not probably going to be best pleased uh, so they will right, struggle and right. fight and you'll have to dominate it for control Giggity. now if we can imagine the size difference between a crocodile and a dragon which I think is fairly easy we do that straight away we can now imagine the similarity in comparison from uh, a fell bat the six foot bat to something called a terrorgeist which is a bat the size of a dragon, but dead. What? And so it's, it's the skeletal remains of an enormous bat who uses its kind of echolocation as a weapon. So very much like the tomb banshee, it has a screeching uh, attack, which effectively like a sonic flamethrower. It beatboxes you to death. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah it's exactly what it does. It will... <laughs> It will decimate you. I mean, it will shatter blood vessels in anything that's living. Wow. Reminds me of the, uh, Ben, Forbidden West game. You get the there's the new monster. And it's, it's a Aloy fights, the big old bat thing. Do you remember that thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one yeah. of the end mecha things you fight. It's yeah. fucking cool. It's got like a sonic Wicked. Uh, attack, isn't it? Yeah. So, sorry, that was a fell geist. A terror geist. Oh, sorry, a terror guy. Right. And in general, these are these are either bound to an army, so they're like a, a, effectively a, a wild beast that's summoned, like a, a a giant skelly bat version of a, a hawk, or they are used as mounts by the Strigoi uh, because of their kind of bestial intelligence. They're able to dominate other animals. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Where did these? Um, where does the fell bats and these fell geists reside? You say they're not actually kind of raised. Uh, Terrorgeist, excuse me. They're not raised undead. They're at. They're, they. They are. In, uh, in general, Sylvania, the World's Edge Mountains, uh, the bottom half of the Darklands. In general, that's where you'll find mm. them. Um, so, but they will be attracted to anywhere that has a significant kind of the wind of Dar. Uh, kind of dark gotcha. energy to it. They're not exclusively allied to undead, so you can encounter these just as wild, feral beasts, and they don't necessarily uh, yes. have to be tied yeah. to the undead. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, they are yeah. easily summoned to kind of not service, but ally themselves with undead forces because of the sheer amount of magical energy that's used, and they're attracted to that kind of thing. Roger, are they? Are they un they're undead? Sorry, they're. 
uh, fell bats are not undead. They're living creatures. Terror geists are undead. They are skeletal, giant skeletal bats. And what were they before? Were they giant giant bats giant living dead? bats? Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Cool. You then have really three types of kind of generic steed. You, um, maybe four, in fact. You've got skeletal steed, which is effectively a skeletal horse. You've got something called nightmares, which are undead war horses. So these either will be skeletoned, skeletons or will look like zombies. They'll be emaciated. I mean, they'll be dead, but they won't have like chunks hanging off them and stuff. They will have holes in them, uh, which leads me to believe that when they run, they whistle. But they... <laughs> <laughs> the faster they go, the higher the pitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you then have something called the Hell Steeds. It used to be called Abyssal Terrors. And these are undead Pegasus. That That's how you think of them. Flying Whoa. undead horses. Wing, yeah. Winged war horses uh, that belong to... That are ridden either by... Uh, master necromancers or vampires. So, yeah, so we're looking at infantry and cavalry. Now you add in the kind of monstrous war beast, either uh, packs of direwolves hunting around the edges of an army, uh, skirmishing forward, or these enormous dragons and terror geists, which are, you know, either loose or ridden as mounts by the kind of generals and heroes of the army. So you can sort of get a sense of this uh, tidal wave of death coming towards you. Punctuated with opposed within... to a, a regular friendly tidal wave. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, a, 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 an, an indifferent tidal At best, tidal waves can be thought of as indifferent. Sure. Dead tidal waves <laughs> just want to kill you. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the final thing we'll look at uh, to close out the uh, the kind of rundown are the war machines. And really, there's kind of four broad groups of war machines. The first is the what's referred to as the corpse carts. These are, you can imagine, it's a wagon pulled not by horses, but by zombies who have been impaled onto the kind of the shaft at the front of a wagon and so they stumble forward as a necromancer or corpse master as they're sometimes referred to stabs dead bodies with a spear and kind of chucks it into the back of the cart uh, like roadkill yeah like roadkill but it's it, while shouting bring out your dead bring out your dead <laughs> but I'm not dead yet <laughs> these are kind of extensions of necromantic influence. So uh, they pulse with kind of really dark uh, magic, but also can be used as a focus for necromancers and vampires to cast spells. So on the tabletop, if a corpse cart is within, say, 12 inches of a necromancer, and he's casting a spell that is 12 inches in kind of range, he can actually measure the range from the corpse cart. If you see uh, what I mean. Okay. So it's a way of extending like, um, influence. Like a Wi-Fi hub. Exactly right. It's an undead, shambling, smelly, shitty Wi-Fi hub. <laughs> 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 What's of interest about these things is that they were all created at once by an event. They were all created during the Black Plague. So many people died, uh, and especially in Sylvania, 
and there's so much warp stone dust and particles just in Sylvania anyway that they spontaneously created, they spontaneously came into existence from the bring out your dead corpse carts that were rolling around the place. Oh, wow. They were then bound into service by one necromancer, Frederick Van Hall. You remember, we, we, we talked about him briefly. Um, the infamous so, Van Hall dance macabre. Yeah, exactly right. He <laughs> invented the spell. He created that spell. Uh, all of the corpse carts that ever existed were bound to his service. Now, when he uh, fell, the corpse carts became uh, quote-unquote wild corpse carts, and they just tottered off into the world in various directions. <laughs> so they're found all over uh, the old world now as kind of focus points for dark energy and, and, uh, and zombies, really. On the tabletop, they act as kind of as necromantic Wi-Fi hubs, uh, but also as a focus for um, uh, assisting in the maintenance of zombie regiments. So you'll recall at the start of the episode, we talked about a spell where you're able to return an amount of models to a unit. If a zombie unit of a certain size is within range of a corpse cart, it, it can add more. It can return more. So it makes it regenerates the the body count as it were it it also comes with kind of two upgrades that you can add in nine One inch wheels bale fire <laughs> nine inch wheels spikes uh uv lights yeah a shit but loud sound system <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but it has it, it has one is a like a magical brazier brazier that um a brazier a <laughs> No, magical uh, bra. A magical bra? Aren't aren't they all magical, Ben? All, uh, they... Spoken like a true pervert. <laughs> the bale fire makes it more difficult to cast uh, spells within it that are not necro necromantic. So it is a signal jammer for magical energy. It makes it more difficult for uh, enemy wizards to cast spells. And the other thing it can have instead of that is what's called an unholy lodestone, and it allows you to <laughs> take my unholy um, load <laughs> stone. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> it allows you in in the game. It allows you to reroll a dice to see how many figures you return to the unit, so it it, it makes your zombies uh, last longer uh, in resilient, battle. right? The next then is uh, black coaches. These are black coaches. So these are uh, you know <laughs> stage coaches drawn straight from the kind of uh, story of Dracula. Dracula, where it, there's a a, a, f a funeral coach. You know what I mean? The, these yeah. old fashioned kind of funerary coaches. It was the one that uh, picked up Keanu Reeves and took him to see um, Dracula. Right. Yeah. So. In the game, these are funeral coaches driven by a wraith or controlled by a wraith who sits uh, uh, in the driver's seat and pulled by a pair or more of uh, skeletal horses. Cool. These are uh, quite powerful within the game because lore-wise, when a vampire is killed, if his followers can get to his remains quickly enough, they can put it in a coffin and put it in the back of one of these black coaches where it kind of holds it in stasis until 
a ritual until the correct rituals or items can be uh, organized uh, to resurrect the vampire. It feeds off of death and off of magical uh, necrotic power. Uh, in the game, this is kind of realized by, you know, every time you cast a spell, if you roll a six, you kind of make a note of how many sixes you roll in a given turn. And depending on how many sixes you roll, a black coach will have, uh, you know, one or more additional abilities up to the capacity to fly. So it can fly around the <laughs> battlefield, zapping people with their <laughs> with their <laughs> death energy. But yeah, uh, very very kind of fluffy lore. Um, you know, uh, lo loyal to the kind of lore of vampires. Yeah, they sound quite pimp as well, like the stretched limo of the undead world. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh like, yeah, like the von Karsteins and the Lambians are kind of having a little get together. You get like. <laughs> Fucking armadas of these black coaches. Just oh rocking yeah. Up. yeah, you wouldn't want to be seen in anything else. No, 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 not at all. Segway. Speaking of lamias, excellent <laughs> segway. Um, segway. <laughs> they are the type of vampire that most commonly have this next uh, war machine. It's called a coven throne. So if you can imagine an unbelievably ornate throne mounted on a pedestal with enough space for four or five kind of vampire ladies on it, and it's literally a platform that's lifted up and transported by ghosts. Cool. So it's a coven throne. The model Sounds is stable. absolutely spectacular. And so it, as it moves through the battlefield... It has its own kind of combat capacity because of all the ghosts and the spirits that are making it move. But it is also a, a, effectively a chariot for vampire queens who have their own kind of capacity for hand-to-hand -hand combat. In general, they are gathered around a large cauldron of blood in the centre of the throne uh, at the foot of the kind of head Lamian queen uh, vampire's uh, chair. And it allows them to kind of see into the future. But it also is a focus for something called the Battle of Wills. And this is where this kind of idea of domination of their enemies comes into play. Um, through various game mechanics, you can actually end up picking an enemy unit and making every model in that unit fight once against another model in that unit. So if you huh? have a model of 20... Uh, soldiers, you roll 20 dice, and on a 5 plus or a 6 plus, they successfully kill one of their uh, one of their comrades. So That's it allows cool. you to disrupt units uh, and certainly put the, the fear of God or the fear of vampires into your enemies. The kind of final uh, war engine we'll talk about is something called a mortis engine. This is built from the same kit as the Coven Throne. So it is, again, a large platform carried through by spirit uh, spirit hosts. But in it but is with held... music. A, yeah. <laughs> with live music, with jazz. <laughs> it has within it a, a, a reliquary that holds a single malevolently evil artifact this can either be some form of remains of some powerful undead 
being or more commonly a weapon or item or piece of jewelry that's been enchanted or a book or scroll sometimes even something that's rumored to have been uh, written by Nagash himself. Um, and as this moves towards the enemy uh, forces, the corpse master or the necromancer who is uh, using it as a mount uh, can open the reliquary and blasts of dark energy can come out. It's very much like the Ark of the Covenant in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Uh, not Lord mm. of the Rings. What the fuck am I talking about? The <laughs> Ark of the Covenant in Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. I did not see that version yeah. of that film. That was... <laughs> you know, where uh, the German's face melts. and The Ark oh, yes. of the Covenant in that show, Friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant in The Sound of Music. <laughs> It can also be upgraded to include like a blasphemous library. It can have an evil bookshelf mounted on it, which you again causes <laughs> kind of uh, magical interference uh, against enemy uh, magicians and makes failing to cast a spell more uh, more of a perilous Difficult. endeavor. Love it. They open yeah. a book. Like Jesus when Ben Christ. tries to do his intros and Darren is constantly... Sticking his <laughs> stick in the spokes and trying to trip yeah. people up, right, Darren? <laughs> right, Darren. Right, Daz. Um, and that's really it. That's the end of the Vampire Count Shit. run through. Um, again, I'd just like you to Fuck. try. I mean, because we do make a lot of jokes about stuff, but it must be horrific to face an undead horde heading towards you. Uh, which you know is not only going to steamroller over you, but in all likelihood, your dead body will be raised to join that army. And it's not just an army of infantry. You've got undead cavalry, war machines, war beasts. It's the full Monty. Yes, that Today does sound horrific. However, your point about then not only being slain by these horrible horrors, but then being re-raised to serve them... You, you say that as if that's like an additional horrible thing to go through. Is it? Or are you dead at that point? You're not even conscious anyway. Well, it's it's dead for... I know you don't like to think about other your friends and family, crowd, but like your friends Correct. and family could be upset that, you know, your dead body is now up and about wanting to kill them as opposed to don't your tell me how to live my life or undead life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, re, you raise... A, it, it is a good point, believe it or not, Ben, that... Uh, <laughs> The, like in terms of like <laughs> domination, we just talked about the kind of battle of wills where you can you know force uh, an enemy unit to fall upon itself in battle. The Lamian vampires are actually able to access almost every other Warhammer army's book and include one hero from that force that has been dominated by the vampire queen into service. Cool. Wow. So Hot. you frequently find like uh, human knights uh, or nobles in the service of Lamian vampires. Yeah. Crazy. Nice. Sorry to sort my but back that's out. It. So, Darren, your that's your favorite faction. Um, yes. Can you tell? Because we've talked about it for a year. <laughs> Only two years left. <laughs> I haven't been asked this, but I'm going to answer it anyway. My favourite, I think my favourite units, Faction of Undead, are probably the Blood Dragons. They just seem badass. Abra seems badass. Mm. 
You know, yeah. his his way of becoming a blood dragon seems a bit embarrassing. Sticking yeah. himself inside a dragon and like flailing around and turning himself into a human tick. Yeah, they seem like the coolest. The von Karsteins sound stuck up. The Lamians, the Lamians seem pretty cool as well. No beef with them, but still, I think the blood dragon Strigoi, pretty cool, bestial, but yeah, it's in terms of vampire counts, I guess. Yeah, the Abrash. Abrash and the Abrash and the Jets for sure. For sure. Abrash ben? And the Jets. Mr. Ben? Um I quite like I I agree. I think the Black Dragon's probably the coolest, but I do quite like the Lamins. I like the idea of their kind of like kind of not not stealthy, saboteur. but kind of yeah, saboteur kind of political machinations sort of jam. Yeah. I, yeah, that, yeah. that is very cool. And their mm. their war mm. engine sounds pretty badass as well. The Coven um, the Coven Throne, yeah. I, I just had a look at the picture for that mortise engine. My God, what a complicated myth. Where do you even start painting something like that? There's more It's crazy, right? Yeah. It, you have to you have to do what's called sub-assemblies. You have to paint it in parts it, and, and then, then assemble put it together. It. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. there's one. I'll see if I can find the video. I don't know. Can we yeah, we might be able to link the video on the website where um, someone turned it into a music box. <laughs> So that when they what? opened the yeah when they opened the kind of gates of the reliquary on the model, LEDs came on, but also the, <laughs> you saw like there was ghosts, there was ghosts spiraling around it what? on the model. He actually made them move, uh, so wow. they actually turn. So it does. It, it looks and there really was music good. like Earth, Wind, and Fire coming out the fucking yeah. thing. Like. It was playing Rasputin, <laughs> which I just remember? thought was weird. <laughs> ra, ra, Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs> awesome for me i'd have to go with uh i mean nagash till the end of days but the necrarchs i love the necrarchs that mm, kind of mm. isolationist supreme magicians i i love that i love their concept yeah you know i've sure, just realized man. we have sure. not given timmy the blood grenade enough mentions in this series we mentioned him right in the first episode but we, he, he never made another appearance well, and that's because he was taken into the um, care of the Sylvanian state childcare system. It's, ah, it's that's fine. what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just a he was a one-use weapon, wasn't he? Just yeah, yeah. We well, like, he lived. He lived up to his name, didn't he? <laughs> Timmy one use. <laughs> Timmy one use. No, a grenade. <laughs> a grenade. Oh, Timmy one use grenade. Yeah, yeah. Most grenades are one use, aren't they? By definition. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've. Um, since we've we've been sent anything, right? Like a recording. Yeah, we've been sent a recording. From uh, you may you may know this person, but I'll uh, I'll I'll just hit play so you can. Uh, you can Is this from beyond the grave? Bow before me, mere mortals. Tremble at your impending doom. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. It's me, Nagash, your friendly neighbourhood lord of the undead, necromantic pioneer, and all-round evil dude. But you can just call me Samantha, or his unholiness, whichever you prefer. I do not approve. Now, just add five minutes to spare between meddling with the 19th Vampire War and me 174th Resurrection. <laughs> so I thought I'd drop you boys a little message just to say thanks for your great coverage of me history and the histories of me various sided offspring, if you can call those elixir of live Robin Bastard's offspring. Anyway, <laughs> it's been a real joy to hear some of the highlights of me illustrious career told by someone with a clear sexual attraction to ogre-sized lich kings. <laughs> and by ogre-sized lich kings, I obviously mean me. 
Oh, look at me. Getting all flustered. Darren, you massive flirt. <laughs> Carry on the gash, huh? The rest of the puny races on this shithole planet seem to express their gratitude through the gift of ordinary names. Far be it from me to break with tradition, I've followed in their footsteps and sent some over to my number one fan. I'm keen to see if you can read them without swooning. <laughs> well... The puddle of evil pot noodle forming in me black pyramid is just about getting to the nether regions now, which, as you can imagine, takes a bit of concentration to get right, so I must be off. The winds of dar wait for no man, as they say. <laughs> Ciao for now, fellas. See you at the end times, I guess. Now, where was I? Ah, oh, yes. <coughs> Tremble at your impending doom! Oh, cheers, Nagash. Yay! He's all right, isn't he? So that was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Quite a nice well, surprise. The Lord of Death himself. So, I do have this email in front of me from our Lord and Saviour Nagash. Amazing. Who would like to go first? We have three honorary names per... Uh... Kral, go for it. Yeah, do me, do me. Do me, <laughs> do me, do me. So we have, I think from the looks of it, we have a general vampire name we have a Cambrian vampire name so this is a high honor so mm, it's a, nice. a name based in the ancient days of Nehekara and then we have mm. a von Karstein name so he's giving us straight Ooh. in with the high Sweet. honors it's it's, it's not a thing to do well yeah we'll start with Chris you you'll get the order good the the options are Brad von Karstein the Blazing Wrangler of Fear Beasts, Fearsome Beasts. Shior Stiak, Bloodlord of Lilliput. <laughs> See what I did there? Short stack. I love that. Nice. nice. And the the Cameron chef of the court of Zandri, Nut and Ramen. <laughs> that one. Nut and Ramen. <laughs> Love Brilliant. It. Short, sharp to the point. Love it. Nothing wrong. <laughs> right. Do we? Ben, uh, in order, yours are Moistest von Karstein, Lord of the Tinder Bone Glades. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. Your Camrian name translates as the smiling killer of Camry. I beg your pardon. Your Nehikarian name translates as the smiling killer of Camry. If you're happy. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> and your final name is really it, it, actually quite a famous, I recognize this name. It's a famous Casanova style Lamian vampire from Altdorf called Alphonse Duminge. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's got to be the last well. one. Alphonse Duminge. <laughs> Alphonse Duminge. Love it. Alphonse Duminge, <laughs> not in Ramen. Uh, okay, do you, do you want to hear mine? Yeah. Nope. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Tough yeah. shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> 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 okay, mine are Gareth von Karstein, Operations Manager of the Slovenian State Childcare Program. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uh, Nekaria name translates as the incensed lord of the Crimson Desert. It's the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> and my final name is Garadan, Lord of Flesh Pies. Oh, Flesh Pies. It's got to be Gareth, hasn't it? 
It's definitely Gareth. Gareth von Karstein. Gareth von Karstein. <laughs> 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 or as good a name as Keith von Karstein or Keith Kevin von, von Karstein. Karstein. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Nagash. That was. Uh, yeah. that Cheers, Gashi Nashi. Alphonse Dumenge, Nutten Ramen, and Gareth von Karstein. <laughs> Nutten yep. Ramen. Brilliant. <laughs> it's the Holy yeah. Trinity right there. <laughs> as Nick Cage would say, high praise. <laughs> right well yeah sorry the other thing is um i want to suck your blood so uh, we're gonna call okay do, do you want to get another mention of it in now before i call it well i did it at the beginning of this episode didn't i okay so is that it you're done he's trying to no trick he's trying to trick you he's trying to trick you so he can win <laughs> look at his face he fucking is as well yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. actually not, mate. I'm actually trying to give you a chance because I've hit it right on the fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> did you, okay, did I, I, I can't it. remember. Did I actually say it once each episode? Not really, no. Dar, your guess was 11 times. Yeah. How many times do you think he said it? Six. So close. And if he'd taken my offer there, it would have been six. It was five. And my ah. guess was five. So, yeah. I want to suck your blood. Yeah. Nah, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Right, okay. While Dar's figuring out what he is going to buy me, I am going to wrap up. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on, on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. Big thank you to all our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do this without you guys. You cover our costs and allow us more time planning content. If you're not part of this merry band, you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore and sign up today for as little as £3. This will give you access to our Discord server so you can come and chat with us directly and there's an ever-growing pile of exclusive bonus content on there. We'll be back again soon displaying just how little Chris knows. Until then, goodbye. See ya. Not if I see you first.